0: Hey, welcome to the Parenting Stuff podcast. And as we're thinking about school launching, um, I had the opportunity to speak at Restored Church. So we wanted to drop this on the podcast to help you think about intentionally parenting your kids. And so let us know what you think. One of the things that is very important for us as, as followers of Jesus is not just to come to church once in a while and make it a little part of our lives, we want God's word to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so I love this message series because it gives you the capacity to go, you know what? That's a really cool verse. And if you've never intentionally decided to have a life verse, a verse that you say, this is something I'm grabbing a hold of for a long period of time and repeating it and renewing my mind, this is what this sermon series is designed for. This morning, what we're going to talk about is actually going to the Old Testament. So I was like, hey, I'm a youth ministry guy. Nobody ever takes youth ministry guys seriously, so I'm going to jump into the law, right? Like, that's just what we do. (laughs) Uh, going to try to do I was the youth ministry guy that I was the only youth ministry guy at my college that took Hebrew as their optional. everybody took Greek because it 's supposedly easier. I was like hey i 'm partially dyslexic. It should be easy. They go right to left. you know probably a bad idea, but I learned a lot straight d student, but I learned a lot and uh, so Deuteronomy chapter 6 read this with me you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. the reason I chose this is this was a passage that Jesus referenced when the lawyers sat around and tried to trip Jesus up they're like Jesus we got a whole bunch of laws what's the most important law Jesus responded Verse 36 of Matthew chapter 22. It says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37 says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On These two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Man, they couldn't argue with him at that point in time. I mean, and and three of the uh, Gospels record this encounter because this was such a big deal. The the lawyers were trying to trip Jesus up, and Jesus goes toe-to-toe with them, and he says, this is what everything hangs on. And so this morning, I wanted to jump into the idea in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it's originally from. Now, this passage for Hebrews is called the Shema. Turn to your neighbor and say Shema. If you spat on them a little bit, you said it right, right? Like Shema. The Shema it literally is the first word in this passage. The word here. The, the Hebrew word for here is Shema. But it, it is an attention-grabbing word. Hey, pay attention. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Moses has been just finished up with the Ten Commandments. You're like, the Ten Commandments are in, the, in Exodus 20. No, they're not. They're in here too. If you don't believe me, go ahead and read, right? You should, like, you can go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's the Ten Commandments. And after the Ten Commandments, Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as signs between, on your hands, and you shall bind them as frontlets in, uh, between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates." And so this morning, we're going to jump into this passage because it is packed full. And like I said, I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I apologize. I I actually deleted several slides because I'm like, they don't want to go that deep into the Hebrew. But we will jump into it a little bit because this is packed full of truth. This is probably the most recited passage of Scripture, Why? Because the the Jewish people who are diligently following after God say this every morning when they get up and when they go to bed. This is a passage of scripture that is totally life-changing and culturally defining for them. It is really a passage about discipleship. This morning I want to take a little different tract in discipleship. Turn your neighbor and tell him which one do you prefer? Are you an iPhone person or are you an Android person? Android, iPhone, you know, like... The next one, probably a little bit more controversial, are you a Coke or a Pepsi person, right? Right? Like You've been with those people at the restaurant. Would you like a cola? Uh, I would like a Coke. Uh, is Pepsi okay? No, it's not. And then you leave a tract afterwards after you harass that poor waitress and barely tipped her. All right? Don't do that, right? Like, you, you, have, to, you have to show love. And, and, and so anyways, I'm going to not preach about that. Uh, dog or cat person? Dog or cat? For those of you who are a little bit more like me, tall, skinny, white guys who are into sports, are you a LeBron or a Michael Jordan guy? Or, uh, Jordan. LeBron, Jordan. Yeah, I'm way more of a Jordan guy. I'm sorry. LeBron spends a million dollars on his body. He, he definitely should be good. Now, props to the guy. He's got a lot of dedication. There's a lot going in here, right? Uh, the next one is probably going to cause a little bit more of a problem. Uh, Eagles or Steelers. Uh, uh, this, is, yeah, this is where the church splits. You know, like, oh, my word. But don't worry, I, I know where I'm at, I know where I'm at, maybe we gotta throw the Patriots up there for like, so I, I'm, I'm causing problems, right? This morning, this morning I want to, you to recognize that discipleship is when you have been trained by others to care about what you care about. Somebody in your life said, hey, you know what? You should care about a game where they inflate a, a rubber um, inflation with pig skin on top of it. And then they slam their bodies into one another only to try to get it a few feet forward on, up the line. You know, you're sitting there going like, that's really demeaning to football. That's what football is. Culturally, we have adopted this and we have trained each other. C- football is the thing to do. I grew up as a soccer player. I look at football and I'm like, you uncultured swine. Football is where you use your foot. This is not football. This is mayhem on the field. The truth is, is you have been discipled. Somebody in your life that you trusted has walked beside you and said, you know what? The iPhone's way better than the Android. You know, there has been somebody in your life and somebody has taught you so well that you're willing to fight over it, right? There's some of you where as soon as you came up, you're like head snapped to the person next to you because you know that they, they don't agree with you. You're like, see, he's bringing it up, right? And if it's within your marriage, you might need a little bit more than just a conversation here in the chairs. In the <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, is that someone in your life taught you about something that they loved. You have been taught what beauty is because you've been discipled. You have been taught what is what is good to pay attention to and what has been things to avoid. You have been discipled along the way and we don't use that phrase outside of the church, but in reality, every habit that you have, every decision that you make, chances are you have been coached by somebody in your life that you trusted to go in that way because they have trained you to care about something that they cared about. Those of you who are rebels are like, uh-uh, <laughs> uh-uh, I did my own thing. You know what? I was like, my family does this over here, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do something different. Well, the truth is YouTube trained you, and YouTube is full of people teaching you to care about things that they care about. You think that you're the first one to ever branch out and do something right off the board? No, you're just following the lead. This passage is all about discipleship. It's all about cultivating culture. Historically, what was going on for the people of Israel as they had been in captivity for 400 years. That's twice as long as the United States has been a country. Can you imagine how eroded the Hebrew culture would have been? Just think about, for those of you who are a little bit older, think about how radically our culture has shifted in the last 10 years just because of the introduction of the smartphone. And just imagine how far they have wandered away from Yahweh, the one true God, the I Am. And they only knew Egypt's culture. They only knew what was around them. They were in this place that they were acquainted with the luxury of Egypt even though they were slaves, And God calls them out of Egypt, and He says, In order to cultivate culture, here's what you need to do. He says, You need to repeat these commands that I'm giving you again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you are going up to bed, when you are getting them up, tie them on your hands, wear them on the, the forehead as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Teach them. And the reality for the children of Israel is they were coming into a space where they were creating a new culture. A.W. Tozer says that the things that are closest to our hearts are the things that we talk about. And if God is close to our heart, you will talk about him. And so the reality for us today is you are not coming out of Egypt. Some of you are. You have gotten saved and you are totally transforming how you think and you act. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is really pertinent to you. Don't be conformed to the old way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you are intentionally trying to find ways that you can walk away from that destructive culture because what Jesus has offered you is life and hope and peace. And all that offered you was destruction, despair, and distress. And so you are walking away, and for you today, you have got to remind yourself, you have got to make it a priority what you are going to pay attention to. And so this, the, I want you to just kind of see the action words in this statement. Repeat them again and again. Talk about them. When you go to bed, when you're getting up, tie them on your hands, write them on the doorposts of your house. And if we're not careful, we can start following the patterns of our culture. And instead of repeating God's word in our hearts, we can start repeating a song that has absolutely nothing to do with the glory of God. It only has to do with despair and anxiety and frustration. And we listen to it on repeat because I feel just like them. And all we're doing is we're creating destruction. Maybe you, instead of talking with your children, parents, instead of talking with your kids, it's so much work. It's so easy just to hand them an electronic device just so you can get a few minutes of peace and quiet. And so instead of you talking to them, it's YouTube. Oh, it's just kids' YouTube. I know. But in 1982, the CEO of MTV said that we don't have 14 year old children, we own them. Our culture isn't looking to just entertain our kids. They want to own them. And if we are not aware, and if we are not intentional, the reality is the culture that is going to be cultivated in our homes, especially with electronics where we can put earphones in and not even be able to know what they're paying attention to, could be a culture that you don't want cultivated in your home. Even though you bring them to church. And the other thing I want us to see here is it says again and again to your children. In the Jewish culture, under the age of 13 was a child. So in, there's an intentional action. For, for kids that, between the ages of, of up to age five, they're intensely concrete in the way they think. What have you introduced into their life to let them know that there are things they care about? Maybe you did it unintentionally. You're going to think I'm absolutely bonkers right now. But I read this. This was one of the passages I had to do in, in, uh, in college. And I was like, you know what? There are things in my world that are trying to capture my kids' attention. So we are going, when our kids have the capacity to make a choice, we are not going to let them know that the TV actually has... TV channels that are on 24-7. I just want them to know that there's, when I press play, it goes on. And we decided to move away from anything that was not about Christianity. You're like, dude's a wacko. I know, right? Like, <laughs> we didn't do Disney. We didn't do anything except for the spaces that, that you, are, you are focusing on Jesus. You're like, why? Because kids are designed to worship don't believe me, before the next movie gets out, watch how the commercials are actually geared towards middle schoolers and youngers. They're not geared towards you. Because if the kid can say, hey, mom and dad, I want to go see that movie, even if it's a PG-13 movie, Marvel movies were not designed for eight-year-old kids, but how many eight-year-old kids can quote Marvel movies? Because they were marketed to kids. And kids are designed to worship. Have you ever noticed that? Man, once they're into something, they're all in. They're jumping in. They're creating this imaginary world on something that you're like, wow, look at how crazy they're going. Part of that is worship. They are showing the worth of what they are worshiping. And so for us, we we're like, you know what? If if they're, if they're it's going to be something that we repeat, that we talk about, what they're going to bed when they're rising up, we want them to be focused on Jesus and what God is doing and be very intentional. But it was very, very annoying. I want you to know that. Like it is very super annoying to be like, ah, uh, I gotta, all right, we're, we gotta engage in a conversation right here, right? There's, there's times where you have to sacrifice as a parent. Why? Because you only have a child for a short amount of time. The question is, are you going to need me time or are you going to invest that time for eternity? And so when we're talking about discipleship, and as I'm a professional youth worker, I want you to know if you have proximity to a child, you are the primary disciple maker. You have way more influence in a child's life than Wayne Morgan does, even if they come to camp or youth group. I might say something and they'll go, huh, interesting. I may retain their attention for like seven or eight seconds at a time, but they live with you. And so I, we wanna be very careful with what we are cultivating in our homes, what we're talking about when we're going to bed, when we're rising up, when we're posting on things, when we have on our wrist, right? Our kids now have smart devices. And we have smart devices, so on our wrists, what have we tied to our wrists? What captures our attention? When we walk into our homes, what are the things that we have hung up that say this is worth our attention? Just be careful. And so as we're here this morning, I want you to really take into account what are the things that we are training our children to care about. Is there something in your life that you were like, well, I really like this, but I didn't really think I was training my kids to to care about this. I want to encourage you that if you give it up for the sake of Jesus, he will bless. And some of your hobbies and habits, actually, when you compare them to what your kids, your kids picking them up, it should stop us. And so this morning, we're talking about changing culture because sometimes the culture that we grew up with is not honoring to God. Charles Wesley said some of the things that we're entertained by the most, God hates the most. Some of the things we've allowed to enter into our life is me time, chill out, is actually creating a culture that is pulling our kids away from Christ. And so this morning, we're talking about a culture that God is trying to renovate. And he says, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. And I want you to get an understanding of what this was like. This was the ancient Egyptian civilization had 1,500 gods. Turn your name and say 1,500 1,500. 1,500 gods. Can you imagine? Like, that's insane. Like, there, there's, if you're bored, go ahead and Google it, right? Wikipedia. You'll start looking up how many gods there are. And the reality for these, these children of Israel, they've been in this culture for 400 years. This nomad comes in out of the desert. He walks in and he says, by the way, let my people go. And and the Pharaoh's like, you look familiar, why are you here? And he's like, my name's Moses, I was here a couple years ago, but you kicked me out. And he was like, hey, by the way, uh, God talked to me in a burning bush, and he wants all of his people to be out. And Pharaoh's like, yeah, that ain't going to (laughs) happen. And so Moses is like, okay, I'm going to dismantle 10 of your gods. And so the 10 plagues actually correspond to 10 of the Egyptian gods that God flexes on. For those of you who aren't Gen Z, that means he beat them up, right? Like like he he God takes and and dismantles what the Egyptians would have considered to be sacred. And Moses, this known name guy who apparently stuttered because he told God, I can't talk, he walks into Pharaoh's palace and he says, by the way, the I am, the self-existent one, not one of your gods that has got millions and millions of different perspectives, the one who was and is and forever will be. The I am, is, a, is there is no tense to the word. And so like I am right here, after this, I will be someplace else. The name of God is the self-existent one. And Moses walks in and says, the I am sent me. Can you imagine how crazy that would have looked? Like some of you have quit jobs and your boss looked at you like you were crazy. But you didn't take everybody from the workforce with you. Right? Like this guy walks in out of nowhere and he's like, I, I, by the way, I want to have all of your workforce walk out with me. And he's like, not going to have it. But God allows him to, to show that God is more powerful. And then as Pharaoh is sitting there going, okay, get out, they, they support him. They actually give him money and gold and silver. And the, the people of Israel walk out loaded because the people of Israel have, been, they have seen how strong Israel's God was. Pharaoh has second thoughts. His workforce is leaving the, the town. And they're lined up against the Red Sea. So he's like, you know what, I'm going to just take him out. I'm going to bring him back. And then God flexes one more time. And when it looked like there was no hope, Moses lifts his arms and the people of Israel walk through on dry land. And that group of people who are walking into this desert, they walk up to this mountain and the mountain uh, a little while later, and they, it's called Mount Sinai. And there at this point, after that type of history, God is saying, we need to change your culture. And they're standing there at the base of this mountain, and there is a storm on the top of the mountain. Did you know that in 2019, uh, the Saudi government allowed tourism to be opened up into, uh, into their land and there was a, a mountain called Jebel al that actually has a burnt top. Also, and unlike the common place for Mount Sinai, um, this, is a, this is a fairly new space that archaeology is starting to think maybe this is the place. Because the other space that they consider Mount Sinai, it would have been very difficult to have encampments. But in this space, there is a huge plain within sight distance. The picture right here is from the plain to Mount Sinai. And so there is a space that actually has uh, foundations, and spaces where it looks like there was a large encampment in ancient history. And that top of that mountain is black. It's almost like God rescued his people out of Israel and then stayed on top of the mountain to give Moses the law. And then as they're sitting there, God is going, I know where you came from. I know what the pull is. I know that you want to go back, but I've got a new way. I've got a different way. I want you to cultivate culture. Don't go back. And he says to them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall, what's the word there? You shall love. You see, all the other gods of the world want respect. Respect. All the other gods of the world demand you to fear them. Everybody in our humanness, when we think about God, we don't want the judgment of God. We don't want the condemnation. But God commands his people, after the Ten Commandments, you shall love. Ladies and gentlemen, the God of the universe loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. The word here is very much a relational word. And he's saying to the people of Israel, if you want to change your culture, here's what you need to do. You need to love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. It's almost like the author of time says, I have your emotions, I have your skills, I have your purposes. Trust me first. The word heart in Hebrew, it, it means the seat of your emotions or your passions. What are you passionate about? What would you what would somebody else say? You know what? This person, this is what they're about. The seed of your emotions is where like a lot of the times we're trying to find joy and and satisfaction that God can only fill in us. Mark chapter 7 verse 21 and 22. Jesus warns the people. He says, For it is written, out of the men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Man, that's a list. Out of the heart comes that. Jesus is warning, if you don't lock your heart on God, you can get distracted and it can be a mess. Isaiah actually says, the heart of man is deceitful and wicked. Who could know it? And our world tells you, hey, follow your heart worst advice ever. Because when you follow your heart, you will get to a space where you are constantly in desire. Jesus also said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The next part we see here is the soul. Turn to your neighbor and say soul. This is the seat of, the seat of your life. It's human will and purpose. And so you're looking at spaces that are desire, appetite, emotion, passion. It's deeper than the heart. This is actually sunk in a little bit more, and it's part of your identity. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, he says, For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What will man give in return for his soul? We also see in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so is human desire never satisfied. Sometimes we are going after a passion. We are going after this thing in our life. We are building a ladder against a wall that is going nowhere. Make sure that you are focused on the purpose that God has designed you for. And the other... The other word that God says here is might, muchness. That's literally what it means, muchness. Turn to your neighbor and say muchness. Muchness. Some of you got a little more muchness than I do, right? I'm a tall, skinny, white guy. So I've been trying to put muchness on for a little while. It just hasn't worked, you know? So uh, the word means, in Hebrew, it means very. It means greatly. The idea is a vast word. And so it's like the power that comes out of you. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, that come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. See, some of you have been trying so, so hard to make God happy. You've been going after the religious thing, but the reality is God says way back hundreds of years ago, love me with all your heart, soul, and might. Jesus says, when you actually bring that to me, stop striving, I will give you rest. Our passionate pursuit is to, not to please God, but to love God. There's nothing that you can do because of Jesus dying on the cross. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more or make him love you less. The punishment was paid for on the cross, just like we sang a little bit earlier. And you are no longer under judgment and condemnation because of Jesus who paid the penalty for our sins. And so he is telling us to love me with all of your passions, with all of your identity, with all of your muchness. Make me the focus of what you put your attention to. Why? Because what we love becomes our identity. Our identity takes all of our strengths. Have you ever seen somebody slide into sin, slide away from God? It started with loving the wrong things. And so your, the, your attention on what you're paying your, your devotion and your love towards should really be center stage in our minds if we want to cultivate culture. I have an illustration of a guy who loved some really weird things. Uh, This man right here, his his name is Michael Lolito. He's from France. And uh, he was known as the man who could eat anything. He actually uh, ate metal and glass throughout his lifetime beginning in 1959, he was a street performer. Somehow, at the age of nine, he decided, hey, I can eat whatever I want to, and people will watch me, and, some and then somebody would pay him, right? And so what he did was, it became something that he loved, it became part of his identity, and he invested his life in doing this. The people who study your guts, they x-rayed his stomach and described his ability to consume two pounds of metal a day, unique. You think? And and, uh, his diet since 1966 included, get this, 18 bicycles, 15 supermarket carts, seven TV sets, six chandeliers. This is like crazy. Two beds, a pair of skis. And you see that airplane behind him? It took him two years to eat the airplane. He ate a Cessna 150 aircraft. By the way, they said in 2007 he died of natural causes. I use that illustration because somewhere in his life, a person walked beside him and said, this is a direction you can take. This is an okay space that you can have passion for. And that passion developed into something that was more than just a passion. It became a source of his identity, and that identity poured all of his energies into it. And God is saying in order for us to change our culture, he's saying that we have to pay attention to the things that we care about because if you don't care about God, there's some really weird things that you can start caring about, right? That is just one of many illustrations of weird things that people really truly care about. But eating an entire airplane, ladies and gentlemen, has zero impact on eternity, right? Some of the things that you're passionate about right now they're great things, but do they have eternal value? In 30 years, will you turn around and you go, wow, I can't believe I wasted that much time. Maybe you're going hard after, uh, after fashion. But some of the things that we passionately pursue, they're just a vapor, what James says. God says in order to change culture, he says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the one true God is one. You shall love the Lord your God, not fear, not in terror, not in trepidation, but passionately, decisively going after God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might and strength. And these words which I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children because you care about them throughout your entire being. You will talk about them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You will bind them as reminders, as a sign on your hand and as a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. Because the reality is, we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. And you can know a lot about God, but the reality is, if it's not all the way through, it's gonna be really hard to replicate. I heard a a quote the other day at a conference, and it said, I would hate for the people who barely know me to give me a round of applause, but the people who really know me, know me as a fraud. The truth of the matter is, none of us are perfect. And if you ever put somebody up on a pedestal, I want you to recognize we all struggle. And all of us, if we take our eyes off of God, we can start going down some dark pathways. This morning, as I decided that I was going to finish up preaching, I saw Jake use the rope last week, and I was like, that's cool. I could use something else. So uh, you notice one word that I didn't use was, one word that I didn't talk about was all. Some of us, when we're sitting here, sorry for making you all hungry, but some of you, when you're here for church, you're like, all right, got my God fixed for the week. That's good enough, right? Some of you have been going after it. You're like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't get a brain freeze. You're like, yeah, let's, let's have community groups. All right. Mm-hmm, yeah. All right, Jim, let's, let's go help out. I don't care what you're going to make us do, but let's do it, you know? You're going after it. You're like volunteering for everything. You're you're sharing Jesus. You're sharing your faith. You're going, man, this is amazing, you know? Wow. This is one of my best teaching decisions ever, right? Man, you, you know you have that sugar drop at the end of speaking, and wow, this is amazing. But the, the truth is, that's not all. I hate when I go over to a, a person's house and they give me ice cream, and they're like, "Are you done?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm actually not," because <laughs> it's not all, right? In order to get all, <laughs> go for it! I'm sorry, Karen. Um, the reality is, is in order to go after all. You got to look a little crazy, right? In order to go after all, everybody else around the table is going, what is wrong with you, right? You got the, right idea, pal. the idea for us today is, are you going after God with all, or are you only going after a little bit? Some of you are just starting your faith journey, and you're just starting to decide to follow Jesus. Go all in go all in into a space where you are trusting God with all your heart with all your soul with all of your might and he will amaze you. Some of you have been distracted a little bit and you got to start walking away from some stuff in order to cultivate the culture that God has designed you for. And so this morning I want to encourage you not just to be a fan of God, not just to be a person who is aware of God, not to be a fan of restored church, but I want you this morning to walk by these words and love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might. Let me pray for you. God, we are thankful that you call us to a different path. And Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you have not just you have shown us this different path in the New Testament and you have told us that we are to be known for our love for each other. And so father, I pray that you will unlock some of those understandings for us this morning. Lord, I pray that we would intentionally decide to follow you with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our might. And if there's something that is holding us back, if there is an idol in our life that we prefer over knowing you, God, I pray that you would remove that. God, may you use this church as as a catalyst for the love of Christ throughout the valley. God, thank you for the truth that we sang this morning, that we are the hope on earth. We carry the message of Jesus. May we carry it well, undeterred, loving you with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Jesus, we love you. Use us this week. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for joining us here in the Parenting Stuff Podcast. And as always, go ahead and like us, subscribe to us. If you have any questions, leave a message on our social media platforms or go to our website at parentingstuffpodcast.com. We always want to serve you where you are. So let us know how we can serve you best. But until next time, we'll see you next time in the Parenting Stuff Podcast.